new series thank you if you raise your hand in line because it's been super challenging i know for me at least it has Ah. been Um, but we have the greatest example here to learn from so uh we are stoked to hear what he has to say give him a uh, round of applause i appreciate that josh thank you um i I do want to remind everybody again with the pie in the face thing this is if you didn't know this or weren't clear about this this is pastor's appreciation month um so as a way of appreciating Buy a pie, just not for me, all right? Okay, just, just to put that out there. Just want to just kind of get that out there as much as we, uh, as much as we possibly can. So, um, yeah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being everything that you say that you are. Thank you that... You're never late, you're never early, you're on time. And I ask that we would, we would know that, that we would catch that, God. And This morning, Lord, I know there's something that you want to say, there's something you want to speak, whether it's directly from the message or there it's just what you're speaking to someone's heart. I ask that it would be received today, that wherever a heart needs to be softened, would you soften it? Wherever a mind needs to be adjusted, would you adjust it so we could see, we could hear, we could know exactly what it is that you're speaking to each and every one of us today. Lord, help me share your word in a way that gives you glory, God, and gives you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So... Make the commission great again. This week, I want to talk about getting dirty. And for some of you, that's going to instantly put you in a weird spot because you don't like getting dirty. A lot of us don't like to feel dirty. I've been wearing a beard now for a few months, and if I could, I really want to not have my beard because my beard makes me feel dirty. But I have a wife who loves my beard. And guess who I love? My wife. So because I love my wife so much, I continue to wear this beard. And um, until she gives me the permission to cut it off, it's going to stay on my face. But I hate when you eat wings with a beard. I hate when you eat anything that has sauce with a beard. Because either it stays on and the person you come run into next tells you because you don't figure it out, or you walk around thinking you have nothing and all of a sudden you know you have something all over your beard. And um, so it's just talking about getting dirty and understanding it. And and this is not a physical dirty that we're going to talk about today, but it's, I think it's something that has to do with understanding that it's getting out of ourselves and, and, and getting past who we are and what we want and, and, and really learning what it is to die to ourself. I'm going to read several different scriptures this morning and uh, hopefully by the end we're going to get a good understanding of what this means. And you know, I'll start by saying this, discipleship calls for sacrifice. That's one of those dirty words right there, sacrifice, right? Who loves to sacrifice? Nobody. (laughs) Nobody wakes up every morning and says, yeah, I want to sacrifice today myself. That's challenging. That's hard. That's something that we don't usually like or, you know, some of us are Maybe you're, you're workout people and you wake up every morning and you know you're going to go work out. It's a sacrifice for you to wake up at whatever time that is and take other things out of your day to put that into your day, but it's a sacrifice. But you know with the end result, it's going to be something that's well worth it. And it's the same way when you and I begin to sacrifice for the Lord, it's well worth it. At the end of it all, it is absolutely worth every bit of it. 
Let's kind of read a little bit about what it says about sacrifice and some of the things that, that the Bible says about what this means to follow and what the cost is to follow Christ. In Luke chapter 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Luke 14, 25 through 26, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Matthew 10, 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And in 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Luke 14, 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Some of those scriptures are pretty challenging. Some of those, some of those scriptures, some of you are probably, maybe you thought this, it really says that? He really wrote that? Like the book really says that I need to not, that I have to like deny myself and deny people that I love? And, 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 and man, wow. And it does. And here's the day, guy. Here's the deal is it's something that needs to be done every day. Because when you and I become people who are willing and wanting to sacrifice and be a disciple and be a discipler, it's something that every day we need to wake up and say, I'm choosing this today. I'm choosing to deny myself. I'm choosing him over everything else. Now, for some of us, that's pretty challenging because you know what? You, didn't, you, you don't know that you get that. You don't know that, that we fully understand that it is that I have to look at people that I do care about. And, and even in the real translation and, and, and getting into that word hate, because I know that really sticks out and it stuck out when I read it and it said hate. Well, hate seems so strong. And really in the translation, it says love less is what the word hate in that Scripture there means. So we're looking at it that I need to love those people less than the Lord. And I don't know if that's something that you have really mowed around, if that's something that you've really allowed to kind of sink into your heart, into your mind of the depth of that Scripture, because you and I love living in this way. God loves everybody. God is love. God is grace. God has mercy. Those are the wonderful, amazing attributes of God, and they will never go away. But to be that and to know that and to recognize that is to be somebody that's willing to sacrifice in his name. They were willing to choose him over anything else. This week, I had to make a very hard decision. This week, I had to do something that I did not like doing, didn't want to do, but I was put in a situation where this scripture and these scriptures really became alive. I was asked to be a part of something, and through the process of being a part of something, found out certain things that were against what I believe. And what I believe to be right, what I believe to be biblical. And I had to go and I had to remove myself from this situation. And the other side was the people that I 
was talking to, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it fully. They didn't comprehend that I want to follow Christ and I want to be more like him over anything else. And if there's anything that's going to cause me to compromise that or, or pull me away from that, I'm going to remove myself from that. And it wasn't easy. Because through the process, I, I, I possibly might have offended somebody or might have hurt somebody, but the only thing I could stand on and the only thing that I could follow up with was I'm doing this not because of me, but because of what I value and because of what I believe. And because of who I believe I am in Christ and because who Christ wants me to be, I have to make a decision like this. And I'm willing to sacrifice for that, guys. Every day, no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on, I'm going to remove myself from anything that does not encourage me to be more like Christ and to experience him in greater ways. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to take myself out of that because I want to be somebody that is fully submitted, fully committed to what he has for me over what I believe is best for me. And I think that's a struggle that a lot of us have and that we deal with all the time is we want to believe something that's best for us more often than we want to know what is best for us through him. And too often we kind of lean on that. Well, what's best for me? What's best for me? What's going to help me accomplish what I want or where I want to be or, or, or what I'm going to do? This morning before church started, I was listening to the radio and um, I don't even know this band and the guy wrote a book and he said something that was just absolutely amazing and I just kind of was thankful that I got to hear it, and, and it was very, very quick, and it was very, very simple, but he said this. He, he said, I used to think about getting on stage and performing in front of people to get their approval, but then he said, I learned that if I had already known who I was approved by, that when I was able to go onto that stage knowing that I was being validated by him instead of them, I was actually serving them much better because I was ushering in the presence of God before needing them to validate me and wash away the presence of God. And guys, let's just be honest. Sometimes you and I want our validation from other places. We want our validation from other things. We don't recognize that the validation we need to be getting is coming from him because I'm willing to sacrifice every day for him to be known instead of for me to be known. And that's a struggle. That's a fight. And that's why these scriptures need to become real and need to become life to each and every one of us. Because every day you wake up, you're challenged to have to look at this. And what I've come to understand about walking in this, guys, and, and, and living this out is the more that I'm willing to invest into my relationship with Jesus, the more love he actually gives me for all of these other things. The greater love he gives me for my wife, the greater love he gives me for my kids, the greater love he gives me for each and every one of you sitting in this room today. Because of the willingness to find who I am in him over what I think is the right thing for myself. I wasn't going to say this, but I guess I should. Seniors in high school. I don't even know how many of you are in here. Or You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people leaving high school and getting into college do 
is they go to college not understanding why they're going to college. They graduate from school and just think, you know what, I got to get signed up and I, and I go to go to college because that's the best thing for me. But then you get into college and then you don't even understand why you're there. You don't even understand what you're doing. You don't even know why you're going. So you end up just doing things to get you through the motions. But instead of being somebody that would say this, Lord, what do you want me to do before I go to college? Or here's an even more challenging question, and moms and dads, I'm sorry that I'm going to say this, but I'm also not sorry that I'm going to say this, that what if the challenge was to say, God, am I even supposed to go to college? Moms, you can write me an email or text me later. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Because what if we began to pray in such a way that we began to ask God what our purpose was? That what if I actually knew what he wanted me to become so maybe then I could go to the right college? Maybe I could go to the right school. Maybe I could go to exactly what it is I'm supposed to do rather than inserting myself into something and trying to find my purpose as I'm going through the motion. But with so much busyness and chaos, I really never give time for me to actually find out what that is. But when I do it the other way, I walk in with purpose. And you know what purpose does, guys? Let me tell you what purpose does. It creates passion. That's what purpose does. Purpose creates passion. And for some of us, I'll get on the other side of this initial decision. We get to the other side where we went to college. We do all these things. We actually get a job in something that I learned, but I have no purpose in, so I have no passion for it. So the cycle goes something like this. I'm a husband now. I'm a father now. I'm all of these things. I hate my job. I show up at home. And all my parents know is that I'm a vacant man because I hate what I'm doing. Because somewhere along the line, did we stop and pause and say, God, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And what is your purpose that you have for me? And these scriptures, guys, they really lead to that because when you begin to sacrifice, when you begin to die to yourself, you begin to ask the right questions. You begin to pray the right prayers because they're not selfish ones, but they're purpose-centered ones. Because I really want to figure out, I really want to find out, why did God create me? Why am I here? And the first step in acknowledging that is understanding that you're a son or a daughter of the king. And when you can walk in that, when you can own that, guys, your purpose will follow very, very shortly after. It really will. Discipleship calls for a focus on others. How funny is that? That when you begin to stop thinking about yourself, God opens doors for you with other people. Discipleship does not just happen. We need to be intentional about cultivating deep, honest relationships. Matthew 4, 18 through 22 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was the most intentional person that we ever read about, guys. He was the most intentional person when it came to discipling. He was down walking by the docks. He was down walking where he knew there was going to be some young guys hanging out, where there was going to be people that he could reach out to and and he could begin to love and begin to sow into them. And he calls out to them. Because he had an intentional purpose and an intentional process for each and every one of them. And how often are you and I living in intentionality? 
Because without intention, you won't get motivated to do anything. Without some type of a plan, guys, there is no motivation to execute anything that God wants us to do. And discipleship, guys, discipleship is all about others instead of yourself. Here's, here's something about being about the church for a long time that I've always heard and that I've always, um, I've probably heard this on this side uh, more than anything else when somebody says this, nobody's discipling me. And I've learned this question, who are you discipling? Because what I've come to understand about this whole thing on discipleship is when you begin to give yourself away, the Lord always begins to give you what you need that you are currently giving away. So in the moments where you begin to give yourself away, he then comes alongside or brings people alongside of you that for so long, so many times you were asking for, you were praying for, you were doing all these things for, and as soon as you started to give away, his faithfulness came alongside of you and now begins to refill you because of the things that you've been giving away. But you and I, we get stuck too much in us. We get too caught up in who we are and what we don't have and, and our shortcomings. Most of the time, your shortcomings will go away will be healed, will be restored, will be brought to wholeness when you begin to give yourself away instead of trying to take from someone else again. That's the economy that God works in, guys. That's how he processes this whole thing on discipleship is how much are we willing to give and that's when he shows up and gives even more. But we like it the other way. We think it goes the other way. And a lot of that, honestly, is because of the system that we've been brought up, right? We all went to school here. Everybody went to elementary school. Some of you went to preschool. Some of you even probably went to Mother's Day Out. But a long time ago, you started in this process where it was all about getting, 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 getting. And nowhere along that line was there a sense of you having to get. It was always get and not give. So for 18 plus years of our lives, that's the understanding that we have. So we come into relationship with Christ. We come into this. We start reading this book. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, who else is going to teach me? Who else is going to show me? Who else is going to do for me so I can get? And maybe when I get full that I, or what I think is full, then I'll be able to go out and give. And I don't know of anybody in the process of who Jesus discipled, that there wasn't just a short time that they were filled, but shortly after, they began to give. I don't read in here of any of the stories so far of any of these disciples who waited 18, 19, 20 years before they started to give. I don't see that. Most of the time, it was a couple of months. Most of the time, it was a couple of just short years, but it was a smaller periods of time because people then and people understood what it was to be submitted and what it was to be surrendered and what it was to be used by God because there was a process that Jesus did and and there's a process that we have fallen short of and that we've fallen away from. And the church has really brought this into cultivating how discipleship is supposed to work. And discipleship, the way it's painted in the life of the church today is show up and I'll teach you something. Jesus' example was come follow me and I'll show you something. Two completely different strategies. And discipleship has become a different kind of strategy now because the church has said, let's teach instead of let's show. A few, uh, a few years ago, when um, some of these guys that you see up, up here first started coming to the life of our church and started hanging out, um, I used to take them with me 
to different things that I would go to in the city. And it was very funny that as I brought people and I brought these young guys, they, 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 they constantly used the term interns. Are these your interns? And they weren't my interns. They were my disciples. And not only were they my disciples, but they were people that I was getting ready to release to take on ministry that God had called them to. And I thought it was so funny that every time I'd go somewhere, it was like weird that I would show up with people. But what's even weirder and what's even funnier now, as I go to some of these places, other pastors are now showing up with people. They're showing up with younger people. They're showing up with with people that they're discipling. Guys, there's no better way to disciple somebody than to show them who God is and to show them by the way you're living your life. So here comes the very convicting statement is, and a big question is, how are you living your life? Are we living in ways that, would, that we are representing Christ And are we living in ways that somebody who would come alongside of us, that we're giving them something that they'll replicate, something that they will be transformed by? Is that how I'm living my life? Is that what I'm bringing to the table? And that's really what discipleship is, guys is bringing people into your life and showing them and teaching them what you've learned. That's my last point this morning. Discipleship calls for teaching people. Well, Eric, I'm not a teacher. That's okay. Because you're actually not the one teaching. He is. How about that? You can just remove that from your thinking process right now to think that you're the person that has to make it happen. You're just the vessel that God's going to use. You're just the instrument for the moment that he's going to use to impart into other people. The confusion with discipleship sometimes is we're the ones that are bringing something that is going to bring life change to somebody. You and I are incapable of changing anyone's life. We can't do it. Only he can. But what begins to happen in those moments when you and I begin to be, to understand that we're the people God's called then that's when transformation begins to happen. And it doesn't just happen in you, I mean in them, but it begins to happen in you. Every Saturday morning, I'm meeting with somebody right, right now, and I'm just so excited about the stuff that God's doing in this young man's life. And um, this, this, this past Saturday, is, as much as the moments that I would think I'm showing up and I'm giving away, This Saturday, I walked away being so filled up because of the things he shared with me and the things that God's doing in in his life that I felt like I was the one being discipled this Saturday morning. I felt like I was the one receiving. And here all along, I thought I was the one that was teaching and I was the one that was giving and coming alongside of that, I'm the one that's getting filled. Timothy 2.2, 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. What you've read, what you've seen, what you've heard. Until the day I stop breathing, guys, this book is everything. If we're not in this book and we're not reading what's in this book, 
We're never going to see who he is or what he's about. We're never going to catch who he is. We're never going to hear who he is. We're never going to see who he is. If I don't find myself in this book. Because this book has the answers to everything you've ever thought about. This book has the answers to anything you'll ever struggle with. This book has the answers... to something and to somebody you're going to give it away to. And until you understand what's in this book and you understand what this book is trying to say to you, it'll be very challenging for you to, be, to feel like something or somebody that has been entrusted to give something away. See, guys, I've been doing this for a little bit of time now. I've been doing this and have met thousands of people. And I've seen thousands of situations. And they always boil down to this. And they're always as simple and as complex as, as we want to make them. But the people, there's always two kinds of people that I, that I always cross paths with when they're in sense of crisis or they're in sense of, 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 of a of a high moment or a down moment, whatever that is. And there's two kinds of people, people who read this book and people who don't read this book. Because the people who read this book who are in their lows, they know it's only for a moment. They know that something's going to change. They know that something's going to get better because they've read the promises that are for them in this book. The people who don't read this book, they only see the disaster that's in front of them. They only see the mountain in front of them and don't understand that that's only for a moment. Because... We aren't people who are in this book. There's a lot of things we probably haven't seen. You ever talk to somebody who's seen God do stuff? You ever talk to somebody who tells you about what God has done and you walk away going, what planet do they live on? I never see God do anything. I never see God show. I never seen that. I've never seen this. I've never heard God speak to me. It's not that you haven't, it's not that God hasn't spoken. It's just you don't have the ears to hear what he's saying. You don't have the ears to hear what he's saying because you haven't understood what he's said. You haven't understood what he's written. You haven't understood what you possess. You haven't understood what he's given to you. And because of that, we struggle to say that we've seen God do something. But you ever talk to somebody that's seen God move and seen God work? There's nothing more encouraging than to talk to somebody like that because they just bring God alive. And some of us, you need to understand that God's alive. You need to understand that God is moving and speaking and showing up today. And I know that because I know who he is. I know that because I've read what this book says. Or maybe you talk to somebody who, who would say this. If, if, if I could only hear God one time, that would change my belief in him. If I just could hear God one time, that's all that I would need to change what I think or what I believe. See, you need to understand that 2,000 years ago, he shouted on top of a mountaintop. And you know what he shouted on top of that mountaintop? He shouted that he loved you. And not only did he shout it, but he, but he sacrificed his body for that to be known, for that to be seen, for that to be heard. See, so he's already spoken. He's already said more than he, he's ever going to need to say. 
He's already said it. He's already proclaimed it. But if I don't know that and I don't understand that and I don't receive that, then you're right. I'm probably never going to be somebody who really gets who God is and what he's about. You see, guys, this whole thing about discipleship and this whole thing about making the commission great again, it all has to do with us. It doesn't have to do with him because he's already done it. He's already finished. But it's about you and me. It's about us. What are we going to do now with what he's given us? What are we going to do now with what he so graciously has handed us and to be entrusted with? What are we going to do with that? Who am I going to live that out with? Who am I going to go out and call and say, hey, I got something that you need to hear. And sometimes that starts by just knowing and letting people know that you care about them. You know how much your world would actually change if you actually, if people actually knew you had a heart for them, that you actually cared for them. Or for some of us, the people that we're surrounded by, they think you hate them because you walk around like nothing has happened to you. You walk around like you don't know who this living and amazing God is because we're walking around in the circumstance today instead of living in the glory of tomorrow. In order for us to make this great again, guys, we have to be, become people that sacrifice. We have to become people that begin to think of others more than we're willing to think about ourselves. You know, Josh, thank you for saying that. I was gonna say it, but you said it. And I, and I, I over the last several weeks, there's been a lot of moves that have happened. You guys need to stop moving, okay? The last few weeks, though, we've helped a lot of people move, and I loved when we actually went and moved Josh because there was a group of people who drove three and a half hours to go serve that family. There could have been many other things and if you've ever been to West Columbia, that's South Texas, where the mosquitoes are this big. I got out of my truck, didn't realize how miserably humid it was going to be, opened my door, my windshield fogged up, sweat instantly started dripping down my entire body, not my face, my whole body but I wouldn't have missed that moment. I wouldn't have missed that moment to be there loving somebody, showing them who Christ is. Then he came over here and moved on the third floor. Love you, man. Then he moved out of the third floor. Love you. <laughs> because I know what's in this book, guys, and I know what this book says, and I know what it says about me, and more importantly, I know what it says about other people, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go wherever I have to go. I'll be whatever I have to be in order to make sure that this is seen through me. And if that means I have to make some hard choices and if that, things I, if that means I have to remove myself from things that don't honor him, that's what's gonna happen. That's how it's gonna go. For no other reason but to know that he is everything that I want to be and I want to be everything that he's called me to be. And because of that, for the rest of my life, I've committed myself to being a disciple and a discipler. Because I think that's the only way to live. I think that's the only way to really find the purpose and the passion that God has for you. 
So last week we did something, we're gonna do it again. So for those of you that weren't here last week, we got a little uncomfortable. You know that I put you in uncomfortable places sometimes, but um, I'm gonna open the floor again for, for some Q&A. Again, the opportunity to not just sit in church, but to ask a question of maybe something you're, you just heard or something that's going on or something you're trying to do. And um, hopefully I can, I can provide some insight. I can provide an answer. And, and I'll be honest, if I don't know it, I'm going to tell you from up here, I don't know. And I forgot to get a mic. So do we got one? Oh, she has one. We have two. Thank you, Josh. Should make you climb up and down the stairs a few times here. <laughs> Any questions this morning? Raise a hand and somebody will come to you. Do you have a question, Nate? Oh, you're just you're, you're raising your hand. Sylvia. Speaking of our discipling, um, what do you do when, for example, my son stated that he doesn't believe in the Bible? Yeah. He, he thinks that the Bible was written several times and people added what they wanted to use it. Sure. And with that, uh, you know, without the belief in, in the word, there's nothing that I say that it can, you know, spark him or something. All I'm doing is praying that the Lord will show up. To me. That's, that's the first thing that I would say is pray. The second thing I would say is you're going to have to get scholarly on him. You're going to have to get educated on him. What that means is he's a guy who's going to need just to hear, well, this is the word of God, but you are going to need to prove to him why it's the word of God. And you might need to come with him in a logical manner instead of just a spiritual way. This book is, and, and I don't know if, if you guys fully understand how this book came to be. This book has more than 2,500 documented pieces of information that claim the truth that it's in it. The next book in line is Moby Dick, and it only has 600 pieces of literature that proclaim that story to be true. The Bible has over 2,500. This is also used for people who don't know the Bible to go and research different areas of the country to do archaeological um, digs and that type of stuff. They use the writings from here, and many people have actually come to know Jesus because of that. So there's, there is a, 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 a very knowledgeable... Um, way the book has been put together and people like that sometimes need to hear that over them. It's God's word. You believe that, but you need to maybe go a little further to show him how deep it is and how, and how real it is besides what mama thinks. You know? That's going to be one of the that, that would be one of the first places to start. And that's like everybody guys, and I would say that to everybody. Educate yourself a little further than just John three sixteen. Right. One of the things I gotta tell you: for three weeks I didn't come because I was servicing my my grandchild. Yeah. Um, but, this is a cool story, guys. But um, it's been awesome when I came today because um, I'm I'm thinking in retiring at the end of the year, and my my first uh, reason was to disciple. Yeah. Uh, we want to go and start with Jerry reading the word and getting some kind of a, a witnessing program yeah. in the area. But I did, uh, my mission, I feel, is my family first. So when my daughter needs me, which she works at night sometimes, on a Saturday, well, I offer to help her because I believe that you show Christ to them that way, the service. And she's got a three-year-old that when they pray at home, the husband was a previous Jehovah Witness. So he doesn't want to do anything with religion because once he came out of the Jehovah Witness, actually the whole family came out. But the parents actually asked the kids forgiveness for, for not letting them be kids. 
because you know that how it is, they don't have birthdays, they don't celebrate, they didn't even participate in sports. So he went out, he came out not wanting to do anything with religion. In fact, he had tattoos, put earrings, everything that they didn't let him. Uh, so anyway, going to that, now the, pr the prayer that my daughter uses for, before the meals is, uh, let's give thanks, she's only three. Let's give thanks for family, for food, amen. And well, she's in my care. But she's in my care, she's gonna pray my way. <laughs> so I, I taught her to say Jesus. And so we start with Lord Jesus, thank you for my food. I mean, very short, so she will go home and do that. And I think she's going to do it, because when we start talking how Jesus loves her, she repeated all day long when she yeah. was with me that Jesus loves her. So it's going to be probably something that's going to take a while, but I think the Lord's going to use her to, to minister to mom and dad. That's so good, Sylvia. I think, I think the Lord is just really going to work on this, and yes. I'm willing to be the vessel. So this was perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. So good. So good. Yeah. She, she, she shared that with me before church, that she's taken the opportunity to, to, to disciple her granddaughter. She's three years old, but she's already learning about Jesus. She's learning what she's learned, you know? And it, even in the simple place of, let's pray. Another question. Yes. feel called to help someone get off of drugs, but they keep doing drugs. Oh, man. That's a tough one right there. I wish I had a perfect answer for you, but the first thing I can say is you need to start praying like you've never prayed, and you need to get people around you to start praying with you, because there's got to be something that they acknowledge first what's going on and what's happening, and a lot of times you can't say that to them. You can't bring that to to them, So there's something in there that we need to begin to uh, prepare the way for the Lord to open those opportunities. And you got to begin to love in ways you've never loved before through that. And it's very difficult because they're obviously hurting themselves. And then they're obviously doing things that are going to, um, that are causing them to separate themselves even further. But I wish there was a system. I wish there was something that I could honestly tell you right now and say, do this and this is going to work. And the only thing that I can start off by saying is you praying and getting people to pray with you. And that's going to be the first place to really begin to soften that and, um, and, and, and go from there. And I, I'm sorry that I can't give you a better answer. But there's many of you in here that might have had some circumstances like that or might have walked through some things. Would you share with her? Later, afterwards, I'm sure you might have some more insight because I've, I've dealt with several people in those situations and some it was easy as we're getting you through this and others it was 10 years later before they finally said, I'm done, you know. But I do know the process that all started with is praying for them. Awesome. Anyone else? Bobby. Can I make a, just a statement? Sure. Bob gets to make statements. Yes. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to uh, mention uh, that we do Taco Tuesday every Tuesday night. It's at Rose's Cafe in Cedar Park, right across the street from Dos Salsas, if you know where that is. Yes. Um, and a lot of people are not real fond of the food at uh, roses, but they give you a bunch of it yeah. for uh, <laughs> not a not a lot of money on yeah. Tuesday nights. Five yeah. bucks, yeah, and you get tortilla, homemade tortillas, and uh, you know rice and beans and all that good stuff. But more than the food, it's it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to gather, to uh, just fellowship with each other, to break bread or tortillas or whatever, um, just, just to get together. And it's an opportunity for people to bring others that maybe don't even go to this church yeah. and just show them uh, that people just hang and chat and just have great times together. Yeah. 
Um, and we are there, uh, you know, you guys kind of did that when we started here eight yeah. years ago. Yeah. And we started just doing that every Tuesday. So every Tuesday at 630, we're at Roses. Yeah. There are exceptions that sometimes we change it, and usually PE will put it um, on our app. Yeah. So you can find out if we're going somewhere different. And hence, we are going someplace different this coming Tuesday. We're going to go to Dos Salsas, yeah. get some better Mexican food, <laughs> um, and, and get to celebrate Michael McDonald's birthday yeah. also. And, and watch Houston whoop all over the Washington uh, Nationals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're going to have it on TV there while we're there. We've, yes. we've already arranged that. Yeah. We've got lots of seating area reserved for us. So yeah. come out and enjoy uh, a great time uh, just being with brothers and sisters out there. And we also, uh, and not, not everybody uh, does this, we go to Baskin Robbins after we eat. So not only rice and beans, but yeah. ice cream also <laughs> on top of that. And, uh, again, just, just an opportunity. And especially if you have kids, they love going there. Or grandkids. Yeah. Uh, they do, too. Um, anyway, um, it's something that you can count on. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we love people to come. Sometimes it's the, the seven of us, yeah. you know, just the originals. Other times we have 25 people there. So um, it, it doesn't matter the number, though. We're, we're always there, and we would love to have people come yeah. and enjoy the time with us. Um, I'll, I'll close with, with this, Bob, and, and that's a good spot. Um, why I love the Wisners so much. They faithfully show up every Tuesday night. And the... Luigi's too. They, they've been eight years strong, lit eight years strong. Um, and I want to tell you guys about a guy named Dennis that started coming to Taco Tuesday because Bob met him to fix his boat. You know where Bob invited Dennis to go first? He invited him to come to church, but the, one of the first places that Dennis showed up was at Taco Tuesday. And the guy was dealing with some pretty heavy stuff he is a Christian and was dealing with a bunch of stuff. And through the process, over the time of starting off at just coming to Taco Tuesday, Bob and I have now developed a pretty amazing relationship with this guy. And he's actually become one of Bob's really good friends now. But the things that we've gotten to pray for and the things that we've got to see God do all because of an invitation to something so simple and so basic makes showing up there worth it every single week. And there has been several times where people have come there and people have shown up there that might have never and might not ever come into this place, but we know that there was a deposit made in them through what is happening out of an intentional invitation to make that happen. Taco Tuesday is very intentional. It's intentional. It's not a, guys, Torchies is by far way better than, than that place. There's just like 10 places I can tell you that are way better. Well, why don't you go there? This is why we don't go there. I can feed my whole family there for $20. At Torchies, that's $60. Right? Big difference. Big difference. Right? And the seating, too. Torchies is this big. Rosa's is like this big. They got room for everybody. But I just, and they have parking, you know. I love Alan. Come on, Alan. Yay. Bring it on. Um, can we just go ahead and pray for Glenn right now? He's the guy that Melissa was talking <laughs> yes. about. And, um, you know, when he came into our lives, he... Um, he just always was talking about God and, and what God was doing. And he, he made it almost 90 days without using a drug. Nice. And, um, but then about two months ago, he started relapsing, and that's been over and over yeah. again. And there's a spiritual battle that's going on around this kid. And um, he hears voices. He hallucinates. Um, 
down. So anyways, Matt knows him, I know him, and my wife knows, my whole family knows him. Yeah. And um, I'm just at that place, you know, I, I've been giving it away like you were talking yeah. about, and God's been bringing it in. Sure. And, and I've gotten more out of this relationship mm. than, than I believe that he has. So good. But I'm at that point where there's nothing left of me, and, and I have to just ask God because at this point, it, it's not about me. It's about what God can do. Yeah. And so if we could pray, that'd be great. You want to lead us? <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Okay. <laughs> if you don't, you know him. Sure. So, but I'm giving you the opportunity first. All right. Let's, let's, I'll start. You yes! Lord, we just come before you, Lord, and um, we lift up Glenn. Um, yeah. Lord, you, you know what he needs. You, you, your word goes out and does not return to you void, Lord. Give us the words that you would have us say to him, Lord. Um, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sorry, there's the stage, right? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Lord, we're grateful. I'm grateful for this opportunity right now, God, because we're doing kingdom work right now. We're doing kingdom work right now, Lord. We are praying on behalf of somebody who needs an encounter with you, who needs to be delivered by you. Lord, these, the, the, this demonic thing that has come upon Glenn we're speaking freedom. We're speaking deliverance. We're speaking a healing in the name of Jesus right now to go forth and just remove and deliver him from the things that have just caught on to him and that have enwrapped him for so long. I pray that there's just a new work that you're doing right now, a work of freedom, God, a work of deliverance, one that brings glory to you for all that's about to happen, God, that everything that happens will be pointed to you. So, Lord, we declare him as your son today. We declare him as your own. We declare him as free today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for giving us that opportunity, man. I really appreciate that. Guys, my hope is this, and I've been very challenged for this, and I just want us to be real. Is that possible? Is that possible for, the, for a church to be real and authentic? Is that possible? Because currently, we're not seeing that in Christian culture. We don't see a vulnerability. We don't see an authenticness. We see a this. I'm fine. Everything's good. Life's great. Really? Where do you live? Where do you live? Life's hard. Challenges every day. I got to wake up every day and fight. I got to wake up every day and clothe myself in the armor of God because I got to take one step forward and there's 10 trying to keep me back. So you know what? It's hard. It's a challenge. But this right here gives me everything I need to make it to the next step and to the next place. This book right here, guys, and I really want us, and, and I'm, I'm committed to being as authentic and real as we possibly can. You know, there's, there's something that's going on outside of this, um, outside of these doors, and they're called life groups. And um, some people think they have the best life group. Don't make me say my life group is everyone going to stand up, right, and shout, because we have the best life group. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Matt's going to, they have the best life group. Yeah. Say? Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Wes and Shannon have the best life group. Yeah. Yeah, big. Joseph and Kelly, who aren't here, but some other people, you guys have the best life group. Let me share this, guys, and I'll be done. I've, I've, we've, I'll be done. But outside of here, what's going on inside of those groups, guys, is there's people that are getting vulnerable with one another. There's people that are being authentic with one another. Man, I love the stuff that gets shared at our life group when somebody just comes out and says, this is what I'm dealing with. And I'm just like, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I hope that we can be a church that's like that. I hope that we can be a church that's just willing to say, you know what? I'm struggling. I got problems. I, I'm, I got issues and I need help. Would you be willing to help me? Would you be willing to walk with me? Would you be willing to disciple me? That's what I'm asking for, and that's what I'm hoping for. So um, thank you for becoming that, and thank you for allowing that to happen over and over and over. We're done. Mm-hmm.